everyone. Welcome back to Around the Table, the podcast for the women of Redemption Church in Tempe, Arizona. My name is Caitlin Anderson, and I have two guests with us today, Lori and Ricardo. Lori, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm Lori Green, and I'm on staff here with Redemption Women and Campus Coordinator. Great. And Ricardo, thanks for being here. I appreciate you having me. I'm Ricardo, and, and I am also on staff with Redemption Women. Uh, <laughs> I'm the lead pastor here with Redemption Church in Tempe. And you might be the first dude we've had at the table, right? You know, I was kind of hoping that. Yeah. Um, I was. I was hoping, and just to to you guys, thank you guys for having me on it, because I don't necessarily think that this is a space that I belong, but I appreciate it. Appreciate the invite. Oh, you belong. Yeah. We're glad to have you here. And one thing that I'm just realizing is we're in week eight of our study, Lord, Teach Us to Pray, which is Paul's prayers for the church. And what just occurred to me is I'm sitting at the table with two people that have been some of the longest attenders of Redemption Tempe here, as well as myself. And so we're probably some of the few that have been here over 10 years. Yeah. How long have you been going here, Lori? 11 years. 11 years. I've been a part of Redemption for 13 years and then here in Tempe for eight Okay, well, I'm going to count then uh, 19 years because I was at Gilbert before I was here in Tempe. Just so, so you guys could hear how competitive yes. Lori is. <laughs> there you go. Well, I've been at Redemption Tempe for 14 years, and Ricardo, I still remember when we were a little itty-bitty church praxis, and you walked in, and we were huge ASU football fans, and someone said, Ricardo Stewart is here. I think we can all rest easy as a church now. We have an ASU football player that has attended our church. <laughs> I do. I don't remember you guys saying that, but I do remember I do remember coming, and, and it I had just started dating uh, my now wife, Holly, and what's wild is Tim Anderson, who has been here the longest, considering the church started in mm-hmm. his living room, has a pitch. He has all these old pictures, and one of his old pictures is a picture of me and Holly walking into that service the first time we ever came here. Really? Oh, wow. wow. (laughs) That's pretty crazy. That is really cool. And here you are, the lead pastor. So Mm -hmm. thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, We are studying Paul's prayers for the church, as I said. And when you look at Paul's letters to the church, his letters were filled with teaching, which is usually what we study, but there always included specific prayers to the church he was writing to, and they're specific for that church. And Paul's ministry was shaped by his prayers, and so were the churches he was writing to. And here we are sitting today, um, and I, the church at large, the church as the body of Christ, not just the church as in Redemption Tempe, has been shaped by these prayers that Paul prayed early, early on for the body of Christ. And Lori, you were sharing to me uh, earlier, right before we got on here, what you thought it would be like to receive one of these letters. Would you mind sharing that with us? Absolutely. It just made me think of, you know, if my ID group or my redemption community or one of my, the groups that I'm in, what if we got a letter from Paul or maybe more modern day like Tim Keller or somebody wrote us this letter or C.S. Lewis wrote us a letter and said, I see the great things that you are doing um, in your faith, the way that you're serving and honoring God and um, encouraging us to continue on with that. And I, I can't imagine how exciting it would be to get something like that and what it must have felt like for these churches in the Bible um, to to get a letter from Paul and mm. and how they would read it over and over again, how they would put it somewhere safe, maybe copy it down again and pass it along and and just even imagining how impactful that would be. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. That's really 
really neat to think about. And as we read through these letters this week in um, our study, we can imagine that they are written to us because this is the living and active Word of God. Um, and that's really neat. So both of you have been shaped by prayers in the church. Can you guys share some stories about how the prayers of the church have shaped you? I had one uh, only a few years ago, maybe even only two years ago. We were going through um, an adoption, and there was some difficulty, as I think all adoptions come with a little bit of baggage. And we were feeling a little bit overwhelmed just going into some court hearings and all that goes with it, and reached out to the pastors, and they had us come in one Sunday morning, and there must have been seven pastors in the room Mm. praying for us specifically. Um, And we just felt so much more equipped. We felt cared for by our pastors Mm. and just gave me some peace going into court, knowing that all those prayers had gone in before me. Mm. That's really neat. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Ricardo? Yeah, in terms of just the body um, and the broader body, it's it's, uh, easy for me to use any story that, you know, that's going to involve my mom. Mm -hmm. So my mom has uh, been in several prayer groups or started several prayer groups. And so first, I grew up in a church that prayed like crazy. And um, we had prayer nights. And Wednesday nights was a prayer night in which everybody would gather together on their knees in the pews of of the sanctuary. And some women that were part of that um, years later started a bigger, uh, just kind of a praying for people's kids um, that were in gangs or just away from God and so forth. And so they'd pray all the time. And I knew that. And the Lord used that, that prayer group to, um, I don't know, speak to one of the woman, women there to reach out to me hmm. during college, my last year in college. And this woman called me and had been praying for me for years. She had never met me. She had never seen me and just been praying for me. And the Lord used that to uh, just give her a prophetic word to speak to me. And, and um, God used that to open up my eyes to seeing Jesus for who he was and to, to become a Christian. And and to start following him. And so that that all was just born out of consistent um, prayer of these particular women over, over their kids. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's really great. Um, so you guys are both prayers that I admire and look up to uh, your own prayer lives and have learned a lot from your prayer lives. What prayer practices have you found helpful? Um. I would say when we were um, doing the prayer seminar back in October and we talked about just prayers for the church and praying on our knees, I I started that practice then. I hadn't been praying on my knees. So every morning um, between that and a surge intensive class that I went to and they were talking about um, idols that we have that get in the way of um, maybe spiritual practices. And I, I found that I definitely make sleep an idol. So I decided to get up earlier and make prayer a priority and not just have 10 minutes, but actually have maybe, you know, 30, 45 minutes mm. and get on my knees. And I have a, just a consistent practice every day, almost every day. Um, and it really sets the tone for my day. And I, it's just a really sweet time of being with Jesus in the morning. And, and my daughter sees that and she'll go and mi- mimic me. Mm. You know, she'll see oh, that so kneeling pad that I have. It's just a little sports thing that you would normally have in a bleacher. I use it when I'm kneeling. And so she does the same thing. So it's being a good example to her as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my kids to see me praying. And one thing I know you do, Lori, which I would love for you to share with our listeners is you do shepherd's care. 
in your morning prayers. You've talked about that. I do. Um, I love the Paul Miller book, A Praying Life. Ricardo had um, recommended it, gosh, probably like five years ago. And um, it's a really great book. It's very practical, and I I like that. I am a more type A person. I just want to be have a practice and, and do it. And um, one of the things in another one of his books, he talked about he went through a dry period, and he didn't even know how to pray, and he started um, just saying the 23rd Psalm. Mm-hmm. And it made him start thinking about the shepherd's care. And so I try to, it's part of my thankfulness too, as I look at yesterday and I say, how, where did I see God in my day? And what can I be thankful for how the shepherd cared for me in my day um, that I didn't even recognize? Kind of like when you, if I drive from home to church, I don't even have to think about it. Did I stop at the light? Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you just are on autopilot. And I think you can go through your day that way all day long mm-hmm. and not see Jesus in your day. And so this is a good practice for me to kind of look back and say, yeah, I did see how you cared for all the big and little things in my day. Oh, I love that. I love that. Your sh- the way you go through shepherd's care has really uh, shaped my prayers as well. Uh, that's something that I do at night, and I love how you do that in the morning. But then also you were on our Thanksgiving podcast earlier, and we talked a lot about that. And I wanted to tell you, if you listen to the Thanksgiving podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, you can go back and listen to it. But I'm on 111 of my 1,000 oh, gifts that I'm counting job. that I have been inspired by you to count. Oh, good. So. <laughs> Ricardo, what prayer practices have you found helpful in your own life? <clears throat> so um, I'm a I'm not type A. Or maybe I am. I don't know. Um, I <laughs> think I'm, type. What type are you? I don't know. A bunch. <laughs> type people. You just yeah. want to be around people and talk to people. So yeah. So when it comes to prayers and and particularly spiritual disciplines as it relates around prayers, I think they change with our stage of life, mm-hmm. and that's something I didn't know. And so I can kind of try to give you a brief of what it looks like. So when I became a Christian, as um, a recently graduated college single, my prayer life was was pretty intense. I mean, I think the Lord gave me an incredible opportunity to start off with prayer. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't something I had to learn because I grew up watching my mom pray like crazy. Kind of Lori was talking about her kids seeing her pray like that. That matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first person that discipled me, the way we did it was for 30 straight days, um, we would get up at 4.30 in the morning and meet at this hill at 4.45 in the morning and we would pray for an hour. And we would pray for, I was teaching at a school that he was teaching at, and we'd pray for all of the staff and teachers and students. We'd go by, by name and just pray and pray and pray for God would to do something. And so that developed something in me of just like getting up early and just praying and praying for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I even got to the point where as a teacher, you have a prep period and a prep hour for high school where you're supposed to be prepping. Well, I was a permanent sub, so like I didn't really have to prep anything. It was already prepped. I would drive home to my apartment and I would just get on my face. I start working on getting on my face. Um, the season progressed where um, I got married. And when I got married, not that my whole life stage changed, but all of a sudden, I don't know, things changed. And I think the way I related to God changed because if God truly is a relational being, which he is, even in, in, the, in the midst of a relationship, um, even though you love the person and so forth, dynamics change. Mm-hmm. So I actually went to um, having symbols. Um, and so for me, that was a candle. Um, and I loved having a candle. A candle. I would get those candles that like sound like it was wood cracking. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I would get in a room and I would pray and I would pray actually through scripture. I would pray scripture and I would read scripture for what I would call formation, not information. So I wasn't studying it. I would just pray for forming and pray through whatever that would, would look like. Um, and 
And now I never thought I would get here, but where I'm at now, my wife has a full-time job. And so she's got a lot going on. I have a full-time job. I've got a lot going on. Our kids have a lot going on um, that I found myself to be the most structured in prayer that I've ever been. Hmm. Um, I pray ancient prayers, prayers that the church has been praying for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, I do the daily offices. So like in the morning, there's a prayer and devotion I have that's about takes about five minutes. And your, the prayers that you pray are not, quote unquote, your own prayers or prayers that the body's been praying. And then my alarm will go off and there'll be another one. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's my alarm's going to go off again in a couple hours here. And there's going to be another prayer. And then throughout the day praying. And I have made it a commitment that when everybody says or anybody says, hey, can you pray for this? That I text back and say, I'm praying. And even if it's a short prayer. So I find myself not praying long periods as much, mm-hmm. but praying more um, in, that, in that sense. And then I have the moments of prayer with my boys, mm-hmm. um, with Holly, and then prayers together. So what that looks like for those of you who are married with my spouse is, um, my spouse, my wife, yeah. she has a name, her name's Holly, mm-hmm. um, is we try to do a prayer walk once a week. It's not crazy. Literally, we walk around the neighborhood. So we're like 10 minutes, sometimes seven minutes, because she's a very fast walker. <laughs> and we pray for each other, and we don't ask for prayer requests intentionally. Whatever you, Part of that is trying to listen to the Spirit and going, whatever you sense the Lord wants you to pray for somebody, just start praying for them. And then the other person can go, oh, wow, that was weird. Why'd you pray that? What makes you think I need that sort of prayer, you know, <laughs> as opposed to let just God do it. And so that, yeah. that, is, that is the way it looks like. Um, and then we pray in the mornings before Holly goes off to work, which she leaves before me and the boys, and then we just try to pray. That's great. I love how prayer is kind of just a daily practice of your life and all the busyness that you have. You said that you are praying a lot of ancient prayers, and we've done, we talked about the Book of Common Prayer <laughs> a little bit. How have these ancient prayers shaped your prayers, just your regular prayers? Yeah. Um, I used to feel like those things were dry and not a lot of emotion and mm-hmm. not creative and, and not that you can't do that. I think it's also really good to write your own psalms and prayers and so forth. Mm-hmm. What it's done for me is, is a connectedness of going, I'm praying something that men and women around the world that are still praying and that have mm-hmm. prayed and that connects with the body. I think because, and not to nerd anybody out, but because I'm a Western creature, I'm not connected to my past. I'm not connected to family genealogy, but we're, mm-hmm. we're historically Eastern people. They are. And our faith is a very Eastern faith. And so that's why when you see in the Bible, it's the God of Jacob, the God of um, Abraham, the God of Isaac. Like there's a connecting to God and my family. Mm-hmm. And so our family, the body of believers from Genesis all the way until Christ returns, we're connected with some of these prayers to offer up to the Lord, whether it be prayers from the scripture that we see uh, Jesus or the Apostle Paul or different um, writers pray, Mm -hmm. or there's prayers of church history of men and women who have prayed certain prayers. And so I try to gather those prayers and make them my own and praying. And and then I don't know, um, they've just been really, in this season of my life, Mm -hmm. they've been the more refreshing things that I've, I've had in a long time. Wow. I love that. It kind of makes me think of how the church kind of got away from hymns for a while mm. and more choruses over and over. And, and I'm seeing more of the return to hymns because it's so rich in history and the, the words in them. It's kind of more like the Book of Common Prayer. Yeah. Um, I do think that in our culture right now, and this is I'm saying this as someone who's a lead pastor and, you know, whatever, who has charisma or whatever, but people are kind of getting away from the ideal of just being connected to the personality and want to be connected to the people. And so anything that has some sense of staying power is, is attractive because 
Marriages in our culture don't have staying power, unfortunately. Institutions in a lot of ways don't even have staying power. Something's always new that to, to say I'm rooting myself with something that a hymn that was written 100 or 200 years ago or a prayer that's been prayed, I feel like I'm connected to something that has been that will always be. And I think we have that in our faith. And prayer might be the deepest way to connect to those and singing because I think singing actually is another form of prayer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love uh, at our gather event last week, we sang my favorite hymn, Come Thou Fount. And that's one of mine that I offer up in prayer daily. And I feel like that's one of the ancient prayers that I do speak regularly in my life. Ricardo, this will be for you specifically. Uh, are there specific ways we can be praying for the church at large? And this is not Redemption Tempe. This is the body of Christ. How can we be praying for the church? Um, so... One, we have to take what Jesus says very seriously. So he's given us a command to make disciples. So I think one prayer is that we would make disciples, and not in some generic way. He actually said make disciples who, to, that who obey everything that he said, <laughs> and that we would be obedient disciples who make disciples who are obedient <laughs> to Jesus Christ. And so just pray that throughout the world. The next thing is I would say the continued advancement of the gospel in places where the gospel has not been heard. Um, where people, men and women and children, they just just imagine not not just never believing it, never heard it, like mm. never even knew, and just praying for 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 that ministry to continue, and then for our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted mm. around the world, um, what that looks like, um, and and just continue for the gospel to come to bear. Now, more localized and not just in Tempe, but I would pray that in um, in and cultures like ours where seemingly people are just walking away from God and the church left and right, mm -hmm. that we would see how demonic those things are and not just like a unbelief, but that there is the God of this world who blinds us. Mm -hmm. And so praying for um, eyes to be open to see the truth and the love that's found in the gospel and that, um, and that we would be able to be loosened of, of, of the, the strongholds that I think the enemy has in a lot of ways on people and their mm -hmm. unbelief and in their lives and their walk with the Lord um, that would be important um, prayers, I think, to have for for the church. And then lastly, this goes without said, is this an extreme sense of unity mm. um, with the body of Christ, um, even with our differences, mm. whether it be modes of baptism, whether it be, you know, um, different uh, gender roles or and so forth, like all of those things is going, how can we be united by the very thing that unites us? And that is the shed blood of Jesus um, and his resurrection, the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. um, how, how, like one of the most uniting places in the world throughout history is the table. And so how can we be united through the bread and the wine, which Jesus says, often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Mm. Oh, that's so good. We, so I'm going to ask you specifically now, how can we pray for Redemption Tempe and how can redemption, um, how can our prayers uh, as people of Redemption Tempe help in those um, in the prayers for the church at large? Because I know that this is a podcast on prayer and because of what I know from my own experience of the men, the women, uh, part of Redemption Women, that you, you do pray and it matters. Mm -hmm. This is not like a podcast because we should have a podcast on prayer. You guys do. And because I know that I, I'm going to give you the things that I think about okay. and, and maybe different pastors and elders may give you different. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say this, an, a, a deep abiding relationship with Jesus Christ that we would have that. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to just pray for our marriages and, and our singles and pray for our kids to come to know Jesus. Those things are all massively important. Mm -hmm. That we as a body would know what it's like to be formed mm -hmm. by the Spirit into the image of Jesus Christ. 
right? We're created in God's image. Um, the Bible tells us that in Genesis. And then there's this part in, in Romans chapter 8 where you get to the latter part and it says that we have been predestined to be conformed, right? To be transformed into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, as people who create the image of God, now broken by sin, now by the Spirit, do we begin to look more and more like Jesus? And what I mean by formed, not information, transformation. Hmm. Transformation in such a way that the ways in which we do money, the ways in which we do relationships, the ways in which we do creativity, the ways in which we do leisure, all these ways are of us being formed people released into the world. Mm-hmm. So pray that we would have a deep abiding relationship in Christ, mm-hmm. being formed to be him and like him and in him and that blessed union in which we have I think those things would be fleshed out in all the other things I'd give you so that we Mm -hmm. would be abiding in Jesus. That's great. Those are great specific prayers for us to pray. I was at my ID group this morning, and a couple of the women had these books of prayers. And anytime someone spoke something they were struggling with, they would write that in. Hmm. And so thank you so much for sharing those specific prayers so we can all add them to our books. Lori, I'll ask you now. Um, as the Redemption Women's Director, how can we be praying for the Redemption Women, for the women of Redemption Tempe? Oh, probably just that we would be faithful to God in in this ministry, that we would not lose sight of of what we are here for, that we want to, um, to know more of Jesus, to gather together, to go deeper in relationship, um, to encourage each other towards Jesus. Um, and that we would um, know his word better because of the study. Um, as far as the leadership, just pray that we would um, stay true to all of those things as well, that mm-hmm. we would um, write the journals well, that we would um, lead the women well, that there would be ID groups available for women every day of the week. Those, mm-hmm. those would all be really great things. Uh, we're going to move now into some questions uh, that were sent in about prayer from some of the women as they went through this study. Uh, this first question, Ricardo, I'm going to ask you, what is the role of fasting in prayer? The role of fasting, particularly as it relates to prayer? Yes. Yeah, I don't know if I have a specific role, like if okay. this is the only one. However, um, one, let's deal with fasting real quick. And okay. so fasting sometimes could be, you know, though it's legalistic, the Bible never commands us to fast, mm-hmm. blah, 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 right? We should fast. <laughs> um, here's what fasting does. Fasting doesn't make God move. Fasting doesn't make God love you more. Fasting reminds you of how much you need him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, absence makes the heart grow Fonder. Fonder, yeah. <laughs> right? And when you when you abstain from certain things of a period of time, whether it's food, um, particular drinks, and I'm talking real fasting, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I shouldn't have said real fasting. Now everyone's going to think. that. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that is if somebody says I'm fasting from playing cards or I'm fasting from chocolate or I'm fa- – I heard this lady who's got the funniest name in the world, Phyllis Tickle. <laughs> <laughs> Phyllis Tickle is a, is a woman of God that is a part of the body of believers, and she writes incredible things. And not everybody agrees with what she says, but I was listening to her talk, and she's probably 60, 70 year old white lady. So just get that picture. And she goes, I don't want to hear another um, middle-class white suburban mom say, I'm fasting from chocolate. You know what? <laughs> and, and she goes, and I can say that. And I'm so, so I'm repeating her when I said that. <laughs> and it's true. So food or something that you know that you're thinking about all the time when you don't have it, mm-hmm. it reminds you how much you go to those things. One, probably too much, but also 
It reminds you of your appetite for God. And I say this all the time in sports. You can't coach want to. Mm-hmm. Um, you can coach a lot of things. You can't coach want to. In the Christian walk, you can't coach want to or desire or appetite. You can only put somebody in the space and do certain things that they have an appetite. Mm-hmm. Fasting reminds us we have an appetite for something far deeper, um, that we have a thirst for something that is truly living water. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the role of prayer, once you realize you have an appetite, just like any kid, Caitlin, you have you have a thousand kids and so you get this and you're Lori you're, has more than me. Lori, Lori has two thousand kids. And and by the way, she's been going to this church longer than me. Um, exactly, don't forget. Is they pull on you because they're hungry. Uh-huh. Can I pull on your dress, your skirt? I can make you look so un- kids will make their moms look so uncomfortable on a Sunday because uh, they don't care what they're wearing. They're just yeah. trying to get on them to get something. Okay, when you have an appetite, you go out of your way to get it. Fasting gives you, creates the appetite where only prayer can satisfy. Mm-hmm. Um, because prayer is always being ushered up into the throne room of the Lord. Mm. It's not just communication with God. You are being ushered into the very presence of the holy, the holy of holies. Like in the name of Jesus, he is there going. And I invite you to a space, not even the high priest, but only for a once a year could even go with his own blood. You can come in with no blood because of the blood of Christ. Like it's an invitation. And there you can actually begin to eat the type of food that Jesus talks about mm. through prayer. And that is my food is to do the work of the father. So I think, I think fasting actually cultivates a deeper desire of prayer because it increases our desire of appetite for God and the things of God. Um, so Lori, I think there was one more question that was sent in um, by someone. Would you mind asking that question? Yeah, this came from you, Redemption Women. This was, um, if, we, if then we have confessed our sins and pray in faith for mighty things, such as physical healing, which is a good thing, why don't we see miraculous healing happen or happen more frequently? Ricardo, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> um, I, I do. It's, it is a difficult question. And so mm-hmm. first, when you're thinking of physical healing, like one I put, like you, someone put, whoever wrote this, like it is a good thing. It is a good thing. Why don't we see miraculous healing happen or more frequently? Um, one, it is happening. Um, and I think it does happen frequently. It just depends on how you look at frequently. Mm-hmm. So one, when you look at the book of Acts, it seems like it's happening all the time. When that period of the book of Acts were years and years and years and years mm-hmm. that you see certain things. Um, also, I do think we have not because we ask not. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it is a level of going, keep asking the Lord. And then this is just my opinion. I, I wonder sometimes, because there's moments in scripture where the Lord's like, I didn't do it because there was unbelief. Mm-hmm. I we have a lot of unbelief in the church. I think the most miraculous thing that we, the most common miraculous thing that we want God to do, and that is to save people, which is beautiful, to drink, bring somebody who does not know God to knowing God in a saving relationship. And we're content with that as opposed to asking God to move in areas of mental health or people mm. to be freed from addictions. To like the, ask in the name of Jesus for someone to be freed of a porn addiction, of a drug addiction, and not to say that there shouldn't be counseling and help. I'm not trying to belittle that at all. But just going, Lord, will you, will you do this? And will you do it for the sake, not because of my brother or my sister, can you do it for the sake of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, and so I think we got to press into it. Now, here's the other thing, too. When we look at the miracles of Jesus, sometimes we think that Jesus is, in the Bible, we think Jesus is like suspending time or acting outside of reality. When 
all of Jesus's miracles were actually pointing to the new heavens and new earth. They weren't even to establish his authenticity of him being God. He didn't go, hey, here's a miracle. I'm God, right? Some of right. us have a good marketing degree. We could go, Jesus, we could really help you out. There's some, other, <laughs> there's some other things we can do. It was saying when a person who's blind that, that in, in the new heavens and the earth, that's an effect of brokenness and sin. It won't be that way, have, you know, have sight. Hmm. To a person who could not walk in the new heavens and the earth, that is a result of the brokenness of the fall and sin. This is what it, he was giving us signs of what, reality truly is when heaven actually meets this world and so when we're praying for healings um i think sometimes god allows it and he and he blesses it and sometimes he doesn't allow it and it's sad and i don't know why Mm -hmm. um i've heard someone say this god will always tim keller said this god will always give his children what they want and what they ask for or what they would have asked for if they knew more and his point in saying that is there's some things this side of heaven that we're asking for that God's on the other side going, that's not what's supposed to happen. And we have to trust in his good, loving care. And so, um, you know, when I get the chance, I'll share, I'll share a story um, about the ways in which God is healed. And yet, and then miraculously, I've, I've experienced and seen it freaked me out. And then, and yet I, I do have more stories where he didn't show up the way that I want him to show up. Hmm. Do you think that gives us just more of a longing for heaven and and the new earth and shalom just with not getting all of those answers? Seems like that that just that intensifies the longing for me. Um, yeah, not to be bleak. <laughs> yes and no. Uh-huh. Yes, because I long to see those things just those things that are broken not be. Mm-hmm. And then no, because I still believe in a God who judges, and so some of the things that are not will never be again. And here's what I mean. When I'm sitting in the car last week and my youngest son asked me if my cousin is in heaven Hmm. who died. And I don't know where he was at spiritually. And then he says, what about great grandma? And I don't know where she was at spiritually. And I can't answer those questions. Mm -hmm. And then he says, what about Lucy's grandfather, Tom Schrader, Mm -hmm. who was one of our pastors who passed away. So I said, yes, I knew where he said spiritually. (laughs) But for the first part of it, I'm going, uh, longing from heaven means you will get more of a glimpse of why that person is there or not. And like you would have more of an understanding because you will be present with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to have that person. And so yes and no. Um, I want to long for heaven because I want to long for Jesus. And I, to be honest with you, though, I long for heaven because of better ice cream, because of better. <laughs> uh, so. Well, Ricardo, you said that you had a prayer story that you were going to share with us later. Um, would you mind sharing that prayer story with us now? We've ended, I should mention, we've ended ed- every one of our podcasts with a prayer story. And Lori, we heard from yours during the week of Thanksgiving, and I'm anxious to hear yours now. Yeah. Um, you didn't ask for this, so I'm gonna, but I'm going to give you something else more than this. And if, okay. if it's not supposed to be on there, we can we can edit it out. So if you're <laughs> hearing this, Caitlin didn't edit it out. <laughs> I think the Lord is moving in some areas right now in our church. And part of that movement is bringing afresh to us a reliance upon the Holy Spirit and non-quirky, weird um, ways that were kind of harmful and hurtful for many of us that grew up in those church environments. Hmm. But a reliance upon the Spirit that is that is rooted in the Word of God that is rooted in the person of Jesus and that is rooted in the practicing of prayer. I, th- I think that's happening. And I think it's happening most right now through, through you guys and the ministry that which you guys lead. It's just, if I, if I can have a pulse on what the spirit is doing, if I can put my fingers there, it's there. 
Um, and so I, I do want to share this story, one, in light of the last question and in light of what I think God's doing amongst us. So um, years ago, I was, um, I was, a, I was a, a pastor, I was a youth pastor, and um, my, I got a call from a, uh, a friend I knew from college, it was a woman, and she goes, oh my gosh, you won't believe this. Um, Chad got in a car accident. And I said, where did he get in a car accident? He goes, McClintock and Southern. So right here next to the mm. church um, in front of McDonald's, he got hit by a drunk driver and he's in the um, intensive care and so forth. She goes, I, I don't know what to do. And Rudy, her boyfriend at the time, now husband, Rudy said, Car Ricardo, he's the only one that we know that believes in God. Huh. And so they called me. And so I went up there to pray with his mom. And I prayed with his mom and his mom was from California. And for, for two straight weeks, two and a half straight weeks, I went up there and prayed. One day I was there. And, um, and he had, had been unconscious and so forth. He, you know. So one day I was there, and the doctor came in, and the doctor wanted to know when the mom wanted to make a decision if she was going to pull the plug or not. Mm. And I was sitting there, and I think he thought I was family, and so he just shared that. And she's like, what? He's not even family? I can't believe you. And I'm like, oh, my, this is, this is bad. Mm-hmm. So I went home, and I prayed. And um, I, I'm a believer, and okay, this is going to weird people out because I haven't even said this from the stage, but I'm a, I'm a believer in private prayer language of tongues. I think there's two different versions of tongues. We don't need to get into that. That's a different podcast. But I do believe in, in private prayer language. I do believe in prophetic words. I do believe in the Lord speaking and revealing things um, through his word and creation and also through his people. So I prayed, and I went up there that day with asking the Lord to give me what he wanted for a healing for Chad. Mm-hmm. And I prayed and I prayed and I was praying in, in a tongue underneath my breath, you know, not, not audibly. And, and I just said, Lord, if you would right now, will you wake him up from this coma right now? And up into this moment, he was involuntary moving the left side of his body, but that was just involuntary. They were saying like it wasn't something he controlled. His eyes hadn't been open for two and a half weeks. His eyes opened up and he grabbed my hand and turned and he looked towards me oh and began to try to talk. You know, his mouth's all dry and... And his mom's like, oh, you know, hallelujah. She's just like black woman. She's like, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus, right? And I'm like, and I'm like freaking out. Like, I'm scared. Even though I had just asked for God to do that, it freaked me out. And I had an all confidence. I could have been wrong, but I had an all confidence that the Lord had given me in that moment. Hey, your son's going to be fine. They said even wow. if he came off of this, that he's going to be a vegetable. I said he's going to be fine. He's going to walk. And he needs to know God did this. Wow. And um, he was fine. He came out of the coma. He went back to school and graduated, and he, he's fine. He can, he's, he's able-bodied and everything. Now, I'd love to tell you that he came and said, God did this, I'm going to follow Jesus. He, mm-hmm. he acknowledged that God did it, but his life did not turn to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But um, that was a moment of going, oh, my Lord, you, you did something there. And that was, that was a gift. Now, I'm, I've, I've probably eight times as many stories about that where God didn't do that, mm-hmm. but I, I really sense the spirit upon me to like, confidently look at his mom and say, do not pull the plug. God has something for him. So she ended up making arrangements to lift him back to um, California where they were from. And, mm-hmm. and, and I got a chance to talk to him probably once or twice after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that, that was, um, I was thankful to be a part of something like that. Wow, that's, that's awesome. amazing. What strikes me about that story, too, is that you said you faithfully prayed for him for two and a half weeks. You mm-hmm. went up there, and uh, in one of my ID groups a few weeks ago, someone said that often I say a prayer and God didn't answer, and I say, oh, well, thanks, God, for not answering. But I, sa- I only said it once instead of persevering in prayer. And, you know, we can't go back and know if you had just said that one prayer at the end that healed. Um, you, that was a culmination of two and a half weeks of persevering prayer yeah. for your friend. And I think that going back to the question, 
where she said, why don't we see physical healing happen more frequently? I think we're kind of a fast-paced culture where we want answers right now and we pray and we don't see it. And we're not always going to get the answer. In fact, we don't get the answer more times than not. But how often do we give up Mm. too and stop praying for something because we didn't see the answer right away? Lori and Ricardo, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Um, So next week, we are going to have excerpts from our Gather event where Holly Butler will be teaching us about listening prayer, talking about the Holy Spirit moving. Holly Butler is someone that really um, teaches us about how to listen to God and um, how the Holy Spirit addresses us in prayer. So we're going to have those excerpts from our event. Um, And then the following week, Dina and I will be back to wrap up our study on prayer and give some ideas to continue your study on prayer. We will see you all next time around the table. Mm -hmm.